Welcome to Legislative Breakdown. It's a podcast for Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Gary Moncrief, Boise State University political science professor emeritus, who spends all his spare time studying legislatures around the country, including Idaho's. And in this podcast, we break down the Idaho legislature, what's happening, drilling down into the why and how it affects you. And this week on the program, as promised, Gary and I are talking about redistricting. I know we talked about that last time, but this time we're going to get really deep into redistricting. And uh, if you want to talk about getting into the weeds, we're going into the weeds. So if we were in golf, we would be way off the fairway. But this is really good stuff. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about history and legality and why it's different in the West and all kinds of great topics and why it's happening now. You might be interested in that, especially why the Republicans are concerned about doing this right now. Now, just a note for our listeners, this is a bare bones redistricting only podcast this week. We had some requests for more info on the process and we put together this uh, podcast extra, I guess you'd call it, so to speak, just on this topic. Next week, we'll get back to the rest of the Idaho legislature. So let's talk redistricting. Gary, um, where do you want to start? Let's go with a little history. You said uh, redistricting as promised. It might be more accurate to say redistricting as we threatened. So here it, <laughs> here it is. It's a difficult subject. It's an important subject. Let's start by talking about the history behind the redistricting commission in Idaho because one of the things that was being argued early in this session was, well, the current system isn't working and the old system worked better. No, that's simply not true. Not the case. Not the case. We had four electoral district cycles where the state legislature was doing this, not the commission. And three of those wound up with the legislative plan being struck down. You know, that's that's not a very good track record. It doesn't sound good. No. The first one uh, was in the 1960s. That was Hearn v. Smiley, 1964. That was struck down by the federal courts. To be fair about it, almost all state legislative plans were struck down in the 1960s by the federal courts. So we'll cut them a little slack on that one. But then in 1973, the Idaho legislature again came up with a plan and again it was struck down. This is Summers v. Cinerusa, largely because it violated one person, one vote. In uh, 1983 and again in 1984, in a series of cases called Heller v. Cinerusa, The legislative plans created by the state legislature were again struck down, this time by the state's uh, Supreme Court, and we wound up with this very bizarre system we've referred to before known as flotarial districts. By 1993 or 94, there was a a move uh, on the part of a number of legislators to get away from the way that things had been done and to move to the redistricting commission. So that's just a little background that, in fact, the old system did not work any better. In fact, was probably in some cases worse than the system that exists now. And the system now is a commission made up of three Republicans and three Democrats, and they have to come to some kind of agreement. Yeah, technically it's uh, three Republican leaders and three Democratic leaders appointing somebody as their agent. So you basically wind up with three R's and three D's on on that commission. Okay, so let's talk legality. Okay, so the fundamental point to be made is that there is something called the one person, one vote principle, and that has yielded this 
long set of uh, legal doctrine known as equal population in the districts or equipopulous districts. What this means is that you have to have roughly the same number of people after the census is, is conducted. You have to redraw the lines in the state legislative races so that you have roughly the same number of people in each district. Well, there's a little fudge factor there built in by case law by the U.S. Supreme Court. And this fudge factor is to allow a little bit of variation to account for things like county lines, city boundaries, uh, major geographic situations where you have a river that would bisect a city or something along those names. So it doesn't have to be exact. It doesn't have to be exact. Basically, it has to be within 5% of the ideals. You figure out what the ideal population is. I'll show you how we do that in a minute. And then you can have between 5% below and 5% above, and you're generally going to be okay with the U.S. Supreme Court in that regard. You go over 10% and you've got problems. Almost every time the U.S. Supreme Court has struck down any deviation more than a total of 10% from the smallest to the largest district. All right, so here's how we do this. If you go back to 2010, the census found a population in Idaho to be 1,567,582. You can look it up. And but there you don't are, have to now. You don't have to. So, and there are uh, 35 legislative districts in Idaho. In 2010, you take that number, 1.5 million and change, and you divide it by 35, and you get an ideal population per district of 44,788. Let's round it off and say about 45,000. Gotcha. Okay. Now, you can take 5% lower and 5% higher. So if you do that, you wind up with a, with a range in 2010 of districts that roughly ran from about 42,500, the districts with those smaller populations, up to about 47,000. And you have to carve the state up into those numbers. You have to create 35 districts with numbers that are within those boundaries. Gotcha. Now, what makes this especially difficult in Idaho is it's a weird state geographically. It's a weird state in two ways. Number one, it's oddly shaped. And so if you start in one part, let's say you start in the north and you try to work your way through building these districts all the way through, you're going to wind up with some weird little things at the end. It's kind of like painting yourself into a corner in the kitchen when you're you know, trying to paint the floor there or whatever. Uh, that's one of the problems. The other problem is there's a lot of federal land in Idaho that isn't really populated. There's hardly anybody out there in some of those national forests or on a lot of the BLM land, for example. And so because of that you have a very odd configuration of the population in the state. And this, by the way, is true of a number of western states, as we'll mention in a minute. And that's why you've got the little tiny districts up north, and then you've got giant district, I think it's District 8, that goes all the way across and is this weird-shaped... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that district has become known as the helicopter district because the only way to get from one part of the district to the other, essentially, without going outside the district is to fly a helicopter to it. That's right. This isn't just peculiar to Idaho. A lot of the western states have a few very large geographic districts and then a lot of smaller districts. And the reason for that is because the population growth tends to be centered in the west into two or three large population centers and then a lot of more rural areas. Think about Denver, for example, in Colorado. Think about Salt Lake in the front there in, uh, in Utah. Think 
the population tends to be much more concentrated in just a couple of urban areas and then some very small rural areas, whereas in the Midwest and the South in particular, what you have is lots and lots of middle-sized or small-sized cities across the entire state. So it's a very different distribution of the population. And frankly, part of that is because of water in the West. So why now, and we we just kind of looked at this, we didn't really look at it, but we talked about it last week. Why is this happening now? It's happening now for a couple of reasons. And by it, we're talking about this proposal, this effort uh, that happened early on in this session to initiate a constitutional amendment process in the legislature to change the structure of the redistricting commission. From six to seven. From six to uh, appointing a seventh person and having that seventh person appointed by several statewide elected officials. And as we've talked about in a previous podcast, it just happens that all those, those offices currently are held by Republicans. So this is quite obviously an effort to change the system to give the Republican Party more control over the redistricting process. In Idaho. In Idaho. Now, so why? Why is this coming up now? Republicans basically get about 63, 64, 65 percent of the statewide vote in most elections, but they already control 80 percent of the legislative seats. So why would they be interested in doing that at this point? Here's why I think this effort was being made. The population growth in Idaho since the last census has been very uneven, with most of the growth occurring in Ada, Canyon, and Kootenai counties. Those three counties alone account for about half or more than half of the growth in the state of Idaho in population. And Twin Falls County has seen some growth, Idaho Falls, Bonneville County a little bit. But basically, it's just three or four counties where you're seeing all the growth. And in fact, there are a number of counties that are actually losing population. This is a very common phenomenon in the West right now. We're seeing more growth in the cities and people essentially leaving some of the rural areas. So after the next census, the ideal population for the state legislative district in Idaho is going to be somewhere around 51 to 52,000 people. All right. So there's going to have to be some substantial changing of the district lines. And this is especially true in some of the urban areas where we've seen the growth. And this is why this may be coming up now. Yes, because the census will start in the spring of 2020. The census data for Idaho will probably be released in the spring of 2021. Then the redistricting commission will do its work in time to be done before the 2022 election. Now is the time that we're seeing this effort to change the commission because that vote would have to occur. Because it's a constitutional amendment, it would have to occur in the 2020 election. So let's talk mechanics. What are the mechanics of all this? Okay, so we're talking about you're going to have this growth. You're going to have to move these lines around from some districts. And a really good example for our listeners, I think, is District 15. District 15, you may recall, is a district that is on the west side of Boise. It basically runs right up to the western edge of Boise. District 15 is the district that the Democrats, after several electoral efforts, finally took both House seats this last election in 2018. They won the House seat A, House seat B. They did not get the Senate seat there, but they were very close. I think 
Senator Martin, the Republican incumbent, won that seat by something like six or seven. I mean, it was very, very close. So this is a district where it has moved from Republican district to a competitive district right now. Either party has a shot at winning this district. Now, that district is probably going to have to be changed a bit in the next redistricting cycle because of the population figures we talked about before. So how does this work? People often ask, ask me, how does this, often it's referred to as gerrymandering, how does this effort to change these districts work? Let's remember that the way these legislative districts work is they're based on precincts, voting precincts that you and I, you know, everybody knows or should know what voting precinct they go to vote in. And that's where you go to actually vote. vote. Yeah. Precincts are basically the building blocks of all these electoral districts. For example, in District 15, there are 16 precincts. And those are the kind of neighborhood voting areas where you go and vote. Now, here's the key thing, Samantha, for us. You can find out how people voted overall in each precinct. Those data are available. They're available on the Secretary of State website. If you go under election results and kind of scoot around there for a little while, you'll find them. And you can find a downloadable file that gives you the vote in various elections by precinct. So you're getting a a very close-up look at what's going on in that district. Yeah, I did that just for our purposes here. I looked at Legislative District 15. I'm looking right now at the results for each precinct. This is precincts 1501, 1502, all the way up to 1516. And I can see here that in the last election for state senator, Uh, In District 1501, the Democrat got 777 votes and the Republican got 917 votes. So that district actually fell for the Republican incumbent in this case. But I also can see that in some cases, the district went the other way. Precinct 1510, for example, the Democrat got 708 votes. The Republican got 512 votes. So you can look at these precincts and you can see that some precincts are competitive. Some are pretty safe Republican precincts. Some are pretty safe Democratic precincts. So by switching out one or two or three precincts in a competitive district, you can affect the likely outcome of the election in the next cycle. You, you would have to add in some precincts probably to get the population back in. And it happens in this case in District 15, it is right next to District 20. And District 20 is a pretty heavily Republican district. And it would be a fairly simple matter to carve a couple of the precincts from District 20 and add them into District 15 if you are trying to affect the overall political partisan character, if you will, of that district. Okay, and so here's a question. Why are only the parties represented? What about unaffiliated voters? I mean, we've got three on the commission, Democrat, three on the commission, Republican, why no three unaffiliated? In Idaho now, because Republicans closed their primary in 2011, in order to vote, one has to register as either a Republican, a Democrat, some minor party, third party candidate like Libertarian or Constitutional Party, or register as an unaffiliated voter. Now there is a large group, 35 to 40 percent of the electorate, who are unaffiliated. Why aren't they represented in this process? Why should it only be the Republicans and the Democrats 
who are drawing the lines and having some effect on this, when in fact, a very large segment of the, of the Idaho population is not affiliated with either party. So this notion that the parties have some right to do this rather than everybody or, or representatives of the entire population is a little odd, I think. Moreover, many states have now recognized this. We have seen this now in the last eight or nine years in uh, changes to commissions in California, in Arizona, in Colorado, and just most recently, just in the last year, in Michigan, where we now have unaffiliated voters also represented on the independent redistricting commission in those states. That, it seems to me, if you, if you want to change the Idaho redistricting commission, I don't frankly think we need to change it, but if you want to change it, that's how the odd person should be created. In fact, I think if you're going to have three Republican and three Democrat, you ought to have three unaffiliated voters on it as well. That would give you nine people on the commission. That's an odd number. That can break a tie. Legislative Breakdown is a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. Next week, we'll be back to the Idaho legislature in full form. Thanks for joining us for this podcast extra on redistricting. I'm Samantha Wright with Boise State political science professor Gary Moncrief. Our original music comes from local artist and composer Will Hall of the bands Nude Dude and Like of the Dog. Nude Dude will be performing at Tree Fort on Friday, March 22nd at 7.30 at Tom Greeny's basement. And Will is also in High Hazel, which will be performing at Tree Fort Sunday, March 24th at 8 o'clock at the El Cora Shrine. If you like this podcast, tell a friend, spread the word. And remember, it's your legislature. Legislature.